0: Um, so hi Hugh, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, let me just start off with. Um, um, so did you always wanted to? Uh, did you always want to be a sports journalist?
1: I did, Ryan. Yes, uh, from about the age of eight, I think. I used to make my own newspapers called Hughes News, which I used to hand round to my next door neighbours and friends uh concentrating mainly on football and cricket. So yeah, um okay. I reckon I knew I wanted to be a sports journalist from the about the age of eight or nine. Don't know why. Probably got heavily into so, reading mean- the Cricketer magazine, of course, which I'm on now. Uh okay. Uh I I was an avid reader of the Cricketer magazine and uh football journals like Shoot and Match. And I used to sort of cut them up, cut the pictures out and make my own newspapers and uh, out of that. I've always loved writing about sport. Um, I find it very interesting sort of going to a match and sculpting an article about it. And uh, everything I've done academically really has been geared to that Um, in choosing my A-levels, English history, and my degree, English for sports science. Yeah, everything I've done really has been geared towards being a sports journalist.
0: Um. I mean, uh, I mean, I mean. Looking back, obviously, you have focused much more on cricket. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of like curious about the influence. I mean, while growing up, were you always into cricket, or did you? I mean, first of all, were you? Did you play any sports? I mean, did you play cricket, avidly or football? Um, how, how, was that?
1: Yep, uh, I, lo- I've, I kind of as a kid, really, I loved football and cricket equally. Uh, we weren't allowed to play football at my school, but I played outside of school. I was a goalkeeper, like my granddad, and um, my son is now a goalkeeper, so it must be in the blood. Um, but I'm a better cricketer than I'm a footballer. And yes, I played for my school. I played, I loved club cricket, uh, and I played for Suffolk, my county. So I'm a better cricketer than I'm a footballer. And I suppose possibly that's why I in the end concentrated more on cricket but uh, I still love football um up till 7 years ago I was on the telegraph I was I spent 15 years at the telegraph and I did a lot of write, football writing and cricket writing but uh, yeah foot, cricket's my number one and I'm a better cricketer than I'm a footballer yeah uh, still play cricket don't play football anymore that's
0: right um what about uh, I mean I mean here I mean here in India uh, there are I mean um, I'm I'm trying to get at, I mean, in your locality was like cricket, like a very popular sport or, uh, how is that? Because I mean, in India here, there are some, uh, cities or some States where, you know, uh, cricket might be hugely popular, but, uh, in some other areas that, that, you know, it may not be that popular. They may not, I mean, they, they may be more focused on some other games. So in your locality growing up, was it, was, was cricket like the main, um, in a sport
1: of the town, and uh, yeah. Yeah, it was the main summer sport. Um, Suffolk is a minor county. So you've got, you've got a good regional spread of cricket in England. Uh, you've got 18 first-class counties, and the closest one to me was Essex, who were very successful in the 1980s when I was growing up. But they border on to Suffolk, but Suffolk is a minor county. So you have about 18 first-class counties and 20 minor counties. But we've got a big population in the UK, and in England anyway, and uh, the counties are sort of spread out quite sensibly. Uh, Some people say there are too many counties and some people say that you've got Leicestershire, Northamptonshire, Derbyshire, Nottinghamshire, all too close together. But certainly when I was growing up, all the counties were strong and seemed to be well supported and they all had their go on the telly, BBC. And uh, the games seem to be well attended. But um, the four day matches in England now aren't attended all that well. And some people say that with some of the counties, their membership has dwindled. And really, there are too many counties uh, 18. But uh, in their own way, all of them have got a passionate following. And as editor of The Cricketer, I would uh, always back their survival bid, really. So, yeah, <clears throat> football was a winter sport, cricket was the summer sport. Um but I'm afraid football has really taken off now, hasn't it, in in, in the UK and everywhere really, isn't it? But um since the advent of the Premier League in nineteen ninety, uh football's become enormous really. But uh cricket and rugby union are a good second, second equal probably. Um
0: sorry I just wanna digress a little bit. Uh um on this i mean at this point so i mean um, how do you compare the popularity of cricket like i mean you you've been following the sport for a long time um do you think uh, uh, obviously because of i mean there has been a uh, shift in the format as well i mean um, from test cricket to uh, one day to uh, 2020 etc um how do you see the pop- how, how do you see the popularity of cricket i mean do you think it's grown over the years or uh, you think football has kind of you know uh, um uh, grown as twice as faster,
1: you know, more than, more than that of cricket per se. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it, it's grown more popular than it was. I mean, uh, so n- 1981, Ian Botham, headingly heroics against Australia, probably that was the peak of its popularity. It was all over the newspapers. Ian Botham was a national superstar. Uh, we, uh, had it again in probably 2005 with the ashes when Michael Vaughan led England To victory over Australia very very exciting series Andrew Flintoff and cricket was still on terrestrial television on Channel 4 Uh, but then Sky took over the exclusive coverage of cricket test cricket particularly and um, I think unfortunately it's popularity has dwindled slightly and participation figures have dwindled slightly and that's probably why they're trying now to address that. They're trying to they look the ECB and the Wales Cricket Board launched a South Asian plan to bring players of South Asian origin it, into the main frame, uh, so that a lot of leagues who were running separately came into the main uh, establishment to boost numbers really and, and encourage obviously inclusivity. Uh, and then they launched their hundred tournament last year which they say is going to bring some of the 9 million people who claim they like cricket but don't go to games into grounds. And I think there was some evidence that there were some new people coming to cricket. But unfortunately, it's a short summer over here and we've got so many tournaments and so many competitions in cricket competing for the space that, uh, for me, the 100 had quite a, a detrimental effect on the four day game and the 50 over game especially and when you know england the uh, world champions in the 50 over game but um the competition that was played in england last summer professional uh, often saw second string teams being fielded because the best players were in the 100 hundred ball competition
0: mm-hmm. um also on a on a on a slightly related note, like what do you what what do you think uh, really drives a a sports popularity? I mean, uh, uh, what I'm trying to get at is, uh, do you think is it is it like the star players which you know drive the popularity of the sport? For I mean, example would be like, uh, do, I mean, there's a lot. Cristiano, I mean, Ronaldo is is a pretty popular figure in uh, in football. Um, you think he attracts a lot of people to watch, uh, not only him but also football as a sport. You think you think you know star players. Um, encourage people to watch the sport or you think it's the tournaments or you know things like these uh, Premier League uh, in cricket I think Indian Premier League etc yeah. what do you think is a major driver um, of a sports popularity
1: I think people like superstars don't they and you know Ben Stokes <clears throat> dominated the 2019 Ashes with that extraordinary innings at Heddingly. Um, we've got an article in the next Cricketer Magazine out this week by Barney Roney saying, you know, it's all about Stokes, this Ashes series, and everybody wants to see him do well and give a Philip to uh, Test Cricket. So I think people love their superstars, don't they? Joe Root, and Ben Stokes, Joss Butler in the White Ball Arena, and of course, in, in India, Virat Kohli and, uh, and, and many others. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you need your superstars, don't you?
0: Right, right. Um, Yeah, again, uh, so going back again to your, uh, so once you decided, once you decided to, you know, pursue uh, sports journalism as a, um, as a career path per se, uh, so how did you go about it? I mean, how did you decide, um, how how did you, like, what was your thought process like? I mean, um, what were you, how were you thinking about approaching, um, like, the career, uh, career itself?
1: Yeah, just Ryan, just to write, 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 just to always be writing, write something every day, write a book review, write a blog, might uh, write a match report and just practice makes perfect and um, not perfect, but never, we're never going to be perfect, but just keep honing your craft and uh, write lots of stuff that's going to get your name out there and uh, um, get experience with a local newspaper or a website or... A, as i say in in nowadays it's you know have multimedia experience so video and audio not just writing uh and just yeah don't just sit on your hands and wait for somebody to come to you but be um be resourceful and uh prolific and uh and write yeah and just get get it out there show show somebody a product you know if you go to a college or university go and work for their magazine or newspaper and if they haven't got one set one up yourself
0: yeah yeah definitely so i was uh, i was wondering like if you could talk a little bit about your transition from um, uh, your uh, transition to the telegraph uh, before right, right. Uh, i mean before you were working in um, i mean express from express newspapers to east anglian daily times okay, uh, right, to right, the telegraph right. if you could talk a little bit
1: right. about that okay So I went into my local newspaper Ryan and asked for a job um, and they gave me a trial and that was in Ipswich, uh, a town in the east of England, uh, well known for having a very famous football team who did very well in the 1980s under Bobby Robson as manager and he went on to become the England manager. So there was lots of football and lots of cricket to write about and I even did a a stint on news where I wrote about the cat, a cat being stuck up a tree which is a regular joke among people who work in local newspapers that you're going to report about cats being stuck up trees and I I had to go out and watch the fire brigade rescue a cat and that was on the front page of the local paper so um, that was quite funny and then uh, after four years of great experience making some mistakes but uh, learning as I went I moved to London and I worked on the evening newspaper called the Evening Standard for a year which is an it was an excellent newspaper was almost sort of as well known as the National Newspapers. It was in the same office as the Daily Mail, very popular among commuters. and uh, But unfortunately, it's not um, doing all that well anymore. People don't pay for it anymore. It's a free sheet. And um, you know it might go internet only, which is a bit of a shame. But then I uh, started doing shifts at the Daily Express. I was mainly a sub-editor, so I... Checked other people's reports and put headlines on them, and chose photo captions and chose pictures to go with the stories. But I took my opportunity to do some writing whenever it became available. Went to football matches and reported on them, and uh, wrote about cricket. And I also did the similar thing when I was on the Sunday Telegraph. So I had all oh, uh, six or seven years balancing the Daily Express with the Sunday Telegraph. That was in Canary Wharf, the big tower in the east of London, Docklands. And I did a lot of football and cricket, and um, I was ghostwriter for Nasser Hussein and Alan Donald and Colin Croft and Chris Cairns. And I did the quotes at test matches, uh, helped Shield Berry, and it was a brilliant experience. Did football in the winter, and then I got an opportunity uh, to take a job in the office of the Daily Telegraph, which I didn't particularly enjoy, if I'm honest, but it did give me job security because I had a young family. Uh, I did some football and some cricket writing, but not as much as I would have liked. And so I leapt at the opportunity to join the Cricketer in 2015, and I very much enjoyed my six years there.
0: Before Before we get into uh, what you do at the Cricketer, um, I mean, the Telegraph is definitely a very. Uh, it's a. I mean, uh, it's definitely a known company. I mean, um, uh, how is it working? I mean, how how is the transition? How is how is it working? Uh, while you were at the Telegraph? Uh, because since it's a big corporation, um uh, relatively big corporation from the gigs that you had done before, uh, yeah. was this, co- I mean, was this, I mean, did it, how, how did it make a difference for you uh, in your storytelling yeah. and in your life, et cetera?
1: Yeah, it was good job security. They paid well. There was a good pension. Uh, it was an excellent product, wasn't it? Um, the sports section of the Telegraph comes out every night, 16 pages, and it's excellent I was surrounded by uh, talented people. Uh, I was sub-editing excellent writers. Personally, I found it a bit frustrating because I wanted to write about more myself and wanted to write about cricket. And I was in a waiting list um, behind sort of Derek Pringle, Steel Berry, Nick Holt, Mark Nicholas, um, Simon Hughes, lot, lots of well-known cricket writers. And I didn't really get much of an opportunity. Obviously, when I did get the opportunity, I took it with... Uh, open arms for instance when Graham Swan uh, quit the Ashes tour of 2013-14 I was in that night and all the other cricket writers are off so I had 45 minutes to bash out 800 words on that subject which I did Uh, and it was a you know excellent thing to have on my CV that I'd worked for the Telegraph and I'm sure that helped persuade the cricketer that I was the person they were looking for
0: before you took the job uh, at the cricketer, uh, you also wrote a book, right? The toughest Store.
1: That's it.
0: Yeah. So, can you tell a little bit about you know how? Uh, why did you decide to write a book, and uh, why did you you know come? Uh, why did you go for that specific? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, as I say, I was frustrated that I wasn't getting to write enough cricket for the Telegraph. So I thought I'd take ac- the ac- action into my own hands and write myself I suppose in these days you'd probably make a website or write a blog now but anyway I thought I came up for an idea for a book and I'd always been in love with uh Australian cricket and England playing in Australia ever since well since the 82-3 tour really but the 86-7 tour really captivated me and I loved Richie Benno and Bill Laurie and Ian Chappell the commentators, and I loved Daddles the Duck waddling across the screen. And I loved the pyjama clothing, and I loved the huge crowds and the climate and everything about that 86-87 tour. I loved Mike Gatting's team with Ian Botham, David Gower and Chris Broad, De Freitas, Gladstone Small. Everything about that trip was amazing. England won the Test Series, they won the World Series Cup, and they won the Perth Challenge, this extra one-day tournament they played to celebrate the America's Cup in uh, Fremantle, Perth. So I'd been in love with Ashes Cricket Down Under since that tour, uh, even, despite England flopping miserably in 1991, 94, 95, 98, 99, 2002, etc., etc. Um, so I thought I'd what the idea for the book was to write a chapter on each time England had been to Australia due, since the war. Uh, and I set out to interview people who'd been on those tours and I started off with Alec Bedser who who had been on the first three tours since the war 46-7, 50-51, 54-5 and I went to visit him in his home in Woking and I was away and then I interviewed Trevor Bailey and Tom Graveney. Uh, I caught, I tracked down Frank Tyson the Typhoon who Led England, or was the spearhead for England's victory in 54-5. Brian Close, Ray Ellingworth, and uh, I could give you a list of 23 people, but um, Jim Parks, Keith Fletcher, Derek Pringle, and all that. all that. So um, found a publisher. Most thrilling thing you can think of, really, to see your book in print. It's got a lovely cover that this very clever designer produced. Uh and, uh, a, a absolutely wonderful, thrilling experience that didn't make me a huge sum of money, but is something to forever have on your CV, isn't it? That you've done a book about cricket. I've done a few other books as well, but that's the one that just has, it's just solely written by me. I've, I've contributed to other books and so on, but, uh, yeah, that was my grand opus. <laughs> okay.
0: Um, so, uh I think now would be a time where. Uh, so, could you tell us a little bit about. Uh, uh, so, how did the transition from Telegraph to the cricketer happen? Um, like I mean, um, what are the motivations for you know for you to decide to you you had already worked there for about fifteen years, and uh, so what made you uh switch to uh, the critic, I mean the cricket. I mean you could have gone anywhere. I mean, uh, but you decided to go to go to the cricketer. So. What was so specific about? What was so nice about the cricketer that you ended
1: up, you know, choosing that? I don't think I'd have gone anywhere, Ryan. I was just purely in love with the cricketer. I'd been reading it since I was a ten-year-old, when it was Christopher Martin Jenkins was the editor. So it was absolutely number one, perfect thing for me to go to. Um, I saw the advert, and it was a tremendous, fantastic opportunity to write about my first love, which is cricket, Um, at the Telegraph. You know, you had to do. Write about, or certainly sub-edit articles about ranges of sports like sailing and rugby and tennis, which I, I quite like tennis. But I, there's certain sports I'm not interested in at all, like horse racing, Formula One. So just to do cricket, and just cricket alone was amazing. Um, had some challenges. I mean, it was a, I was giving up job security at the Telegraph because it is a, uh, a good, you know, it's a good place to have a job if you're, you know, worried about job security and so on, and. Um, but, and it, and it was also a transition from working on a product that came out daily to a product that comes out monthly although of course we've built up the website in the in the meantime so you know there was still twenty four seven stuff going on our cricketer.com dot com website but um in terms of the magazine it comes out once a month and it was a new challenge really um you know you you couldn't just sit there and write an article in an hour it, it, things have got to be unique they've got to be special they've got to be well thought through they've got to be incredibly well researched for a, a magazine um to help to persuade a, a reader to to spend their hard-earned money on on it so um there was a transition but um i've absolutely no regrets it's been a fantastic opportunity for me um so like uh,
0: you're the editor of the magazine uh, can you tell? Can you tell us a little bit about uh, like what do you do on a day day? Like so, maybe you can start off with what an editor does, and yeah. uh, I mean in and, and in the context of the cricket magazine, like what, what how does your day to day life look like?
1: Yeah, so um, we have about a hundred pages every issue. We come out every four weeks or so, uh, and we have to, I have to decide in consultation with my designer and my assistant James Coyne, my designer Jeff Barton. Uh, what goes on? What pages of the hundred? Uh, you have a set formula, really. In in many ways, you have the regular columnists. At the, I mean, I write my editorial at the start of the magazine, but we have columnists: Mike Selvey, Tanya Aldred, um, Nasser Hussein. He does his Ask NASA column. We have regular features like My Favorite Cricketer and Why I Love Cricket, which is uh, interviewing a celebrity about why they love cricket. Uh, we have to, so my job in conjunction with James and a few other people on the staff is to find people to fill those slots. So we need to find different celebrity every month, and sometimes I, I find them, and sometimes James Coyne will find one, and sometimes say somebody like Nick Friend will find somebody. Uh, we have to I have to find writers to write the My Favorite Cricketer column. Then at the back of the magazine we have regular stuff like obituaries, uh, book reviews. And it's all about sort of allocating books to certain author, uh, reviewers who, who you think are suitable to review that book. We've got a section on club cricket. Uh, we've got a whatever happened to feature, which tracks down old cricketers. Then in the middle of the magazine, so you've got the first third and the final third, a regular, it's almost like a sandwich, really. And that's the bread. And then in the middle is the sort of tasty filling, coronation chicken or something. And um, you've got to find different features. And it's, good to have a variety of stuff really that you you know so you haven't got your they're not regular they're one offs and and we tend to uh ask famous over here writers like uh, Paul Hayward Simon Barnes Duncan Hamilton um to write some of these features and not our writer feature I've written one this month on on Leicestershire going there to examine a county that's in the doldrums but we've got a very enthusiastic chief exec who seems to be uh, lifting things up there and uh, James Coyne's written a thing about South American cricket and that, how they came to tour England in 1932 and uh, we have different sort of different writers like Philip Collins who was of the, t- of the times so um, great it's, it's a thrilling challenge and, and George DeBell has joined the Cricketer now so he, he, he's had a column in the magazine for three or four years but uh, he, he's doing more now and he's, he's going to be writing a a feature from Australia where he's at at the moment so yeah so you've got your regular stuff at the start including columnists you've got your regular stuff at the back which is sort of club you know club stuff reviews obits and you've got your interesting features in the middle by a range of different writers so here's the challenge and you know just you have to manage your time accordingly so I might sort of try and I'll write a fair bit of the magazine myself so I'll spend a portion of the day writing something and I'll spend another time of the day replying to emails And as a team, we sort of meet regularly. And and it's not just about what goes on the magazine, but there's also the commercial activity of the magazine as well and the the company. So, um, yeah, there's lots to keep us busy. And we've got this website now really taking off. So, all right, thanks for that as well. So, yeah, lots to do all the time.
0: Okay. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about the reader reader base? Like, I mean, uh, is it mostly in the UK or, uh, like, how how is the – do you have to – I mean – can you share the data of like you know
1: which countries really read the yes. magazine we have we have people in india it's the majority are in the uk but i think there there are the are people who subscribe to the magazine in india and australia and new zealand and everywhere that test cricket's played really but uh, the majority is uk but uh, no i think we've got a, a loyal following in countries like india yes and, and and a lot of activity on the website now with um, from india and bangladesh and pakistan
0: Right. Um, I want I want to transition over to you and you know uh, want to get your take on since you have so much experience in um uh, in the space. Uh, how do you think sports journalism has evolved over the past uh, you know uh, fifteen you know from the rise of the internet uh, to the rise of social media to the rise of the smartphone? Um, how do you think uh, uh you know sports journalism has you know gone through since you've lived through it all? Um, how 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 do you look look at it looking back from you know twenty twenty one?
1: You know, certainly at the Telegraph, in the sixteen twenty pages that we used to produce every night, there was used to be a much greater range of sports, and you'd have everything from horse jumping to horse racing to Formula One. But I think football is definitely the dominant sport now. Um That's one big change, I guess. Uh I, I suppose older, more highly paid journalists have probably been eased out now in favour of a younger, hungrier brigade. Uh, There's a guy called Jonathan Liu over here who started with me at The Telegraph, who's now on The Guardian, who doesn't pull his punches and writes very sort of thoughtful, provocative pieces. Uh, The internet sort of changed a lot. So there is an obsession not only with football, but also with top six Premier League football teams, the big six. Um, Yeah, it's probably become a little bit more sort of headline-grabbing. in a way, but uh, you don't perhaps get the sort of eclectic feel that you used to have uh, in newspapers. But um, people say it's clickbait, isn't it? But um, I'm, you know, I'm not sure it's clickbait. But it's editors certainly tend to now certainly opt more for stories that are going to get the the hits on the internet and so on. But uh, we in the magazine don't necessarily do that but we we we're looking for the best writing by the greatest writers so more of a focus on on the quality of writing I suppose.
0: Uh, could you also comment on the on the competition of being a sports journalist like like of uh, how do you like how like how is it I mean if if for a person who's entering the I mean if that for a person who's entering that market uh, who wants to enter that market like how competitive is it like you know as opposed to let's say the the software engineering market or the tech market or uh, you
1: know the finance market etc i would say it's more competitive now uh, there are fewer jobs probably available uh, the um, n- newspapers are not the dominant force they used to be in this country or anywhere probably are they um certain newspapers have disappeared like today and the independence gone online i told you about the evening standard uh, not not the force it used to be so there are fewer newspapers probably fewer jobs and and, and probably it's a little bit more of a Cutthroat industry and uh, survival of the fittest, but um, there are still opportunities, um, but just not so many as there used to be, probably. Yeah. But then, you, and you've got digital journalism, which isn't paid so well, which isn't paid so well, and um, but yeah, there is opportunities, probably fewer than there used to be in the in the glory days of Fleet Street. I don't know if you've heard of that, but uh, Fleet Street was where all the newspapers were based in London. And um, yeah, there are a few opportunities now. I, I yes, actually, if you're brilliant. You can still make it.
0: Right. I actually hadn't heard of Fleet Street. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, yeah,
1: have a look, look it up. It's fantastic. It's um, yeah, it's in London and they used to have all these amazing um, buildings: Daily Express, Daily Mail, Daily Telegraph, all these fantastic buildings with these fantastic clocks. If you Google it, it's a lot very enjoyable to read about it.
0: Definitely, I'll, I'll definitely give it a shot. Um, mm-hmm. Also, going back to your experience as well, uh, uh, not from a journalistic angle, but uh, from the from the uh, from the point of view of the sport itself. From uh, you know, how how do you think cricket has evolved uh, over the past? You know, over your career. Um, yeah. how, how how do you see how, how did you, how did you how do you see it evolving, and uh, do you think it has evolved for the better or for the worse?
1: Well, obviously T, T, T20 emerged in 2002 two, three in England, and it's now the four, foremost format probably, and it's a bit sad because my favourite is Test cricket, but uh, more and more T20, and then we've got the 100, and we've got T10, so the, the pressure on the four-day game or the five-day game, first-class game, is greater than ever before, Uh Test cricket is just about hanging in there, isn't it, and still popular, well-attended in England and Australia, and it's still popular in South Africa and India, isn't it? But uh, you fear you fear for the longer game. And um, T20 is very healthy. IPL, PSL, uh, Big Bash, the 100, the Blast. Yeah, a T20 is popular and I'm sure will be fine. But uh, it's up to people like my magazine and, and so forth to protect the longer game if, if, if and as long as we can.
0: Um, do you think that? Um, do you think that in a few years or maybe in a few decades, uh, there won't be test cricket no more? I mean, do you see that? I,
1: I fear that in twenty years, we might only have say the Ashes. I fear that. Yeah, I'm not saying it's definite, but um, that's my scare. That's my fear. Yeah.
0: Right. Um, do you have any? Uh, do you have any moments that? Uh, any, I mean, uh, some favorite cricket moments that. Uh, that you know you've seen that uh, are very close to you,
1: or do you have any special moments that you? Yeah, yeah. I covered the whole of the uh, Baston Test of the 2005 Ashes. Uh, I was lucky enough to be there for four days, writing for the Daily Express, and a day writing for the Sunday Telegraph. And I'll never forget the all of it, really. But on, particularly the Saturday. Um, I was sat, sat next to Shield Berry, who was the cricket correspondent of the Sunday Telegraph. And I'm just looking up the scorecard now, actually. But uh, obviously England started off with 407. They bowled Australia out for 308. And actually, that was fantastic. I remember um, Michael Clark being bowled by uh, this slow ball, of Steve Harmison. Um, actually, later on, that, that was an amazing moment. <laughs> but uh, the, the exciting bit I really remember was uh, the partnership in England's second innings between... Andrew Flintoff and Simon Jones for the tenth wicket. Jones made twenty twelve not out, but uh, Flintoff got seventy three. He hits four sixes, six fours uh, against Brett Lee, Gillespie, Kasparovic and Shane Warne. And uh, I was sitting next to Shield, and we were huddled in together, just holding our breath. You know, it was it was just so exciting, unbelievable. We, I think just pinching ourselves that we were actually there at the ground watching this incredible moment um so i was really lucky enough to sort of to watch that test match um for your indian fans um the one day final in 2002 at lords was a thriller wasn't it i don't know if you remember that one that was the one with um nasa hussein had got had received quite a bit of criticism saying people saying that he wasn't good enough to bat number three for england in one day as and he got 100 and did the three fingers up his back um, at the commentators, uh, Jonathan Agnew and so on. But India then won, uh, brilliant win. Mohammed Kaif and Yuvraj Singh led them to victory. Um, I got a feeling that was the the match when um, Siraf Ganguly swung his shirt round in retaliation because Flintoff had taken his shirt off in India, but it, it, maybe that was later. But um, Anyway, that was a that was a superb match. I think uh, England scored three hundred and India matched it. So there yeah, are a couple of uh, exciting moments. Yeah, I really enjoyed them. I mean, uh, recently we've had uh, oh, th- recent a recent one was uh, Alistair Cook getting a hundred in his last Test match against India at the Oval in twenty eighteen, and I parked myself in the stand where I knew he'd walked past and took a video of him, and uh, that was quite exciting. Yeah, the crowd all on its feet. Um, suddenly, realizing what they were going to lose, this much-loved hero. Right. Uh,
0: okay. Uh, do you have it? I mean, do you have like a favorite batsman, or like I mean, are you are you are you, are you more? Um, I mean, do you like batsmen more, or bowlers, or how? does that work?
1: I suppose as a kid, I was an all-rounder. I am an all-rounder. So my favorite cricketer, funnily enough, was Derek Pringle. Um, I've written about him in on the internet and in, in the magazine. If you want to, if you want to look that up, um, he he played for my local team Essex. So and he played for England and didn't it didn't set the world alight for England, but he had some nice moments. So um, and Ian Botham obviously. Uh, so probably I'd say an all all-round, all rounders are my favourite Stokes and uh, Tony Gregg and Flintoff and uh, Trevor Bailey. So um, yeah, I have probably got a thing for for all rounders really. I suppose right, an opening batsman Graham Gooch um is another hero of mine and david Gower, but graham gooch opening batsman and all rounders, is probably in my my thing
0: right uh, i think um uh, before i close i just want to ask you a few questions about uh i mean not a few i mean so i want to talk want to ask you a little bit about management of, of you know cricket um in uh, with i think with contrast to um there's a lot of criticism i think uh with the way fifa is run um uh, I think I don't know if Sepp Platter is still the the person who's running running the place, but uh, when he was running the place, I mean FIFA was uh, you know heavily criticised. Uh, it was not very transparent, etc. Um, etc. Et um, how do you think cricket uh, as a whole is run as a sport? Uh, I think if I'm not wrong, it's run by the ICC. Um, how, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Well only only that we need to protect protect the test the game and they, and they've given it tried to give it context by making this world Test championship, which is a bit flawed, but um at least they're trying to sort of protect the test game, but we've just got to be careful that um franchise t20 leagues don't take over to the point where they destroy test cricket, and um we need more cricket expertise. In administration, whether it's ICC or the England Wales Cricket Board, uh, at the moment the kind of boards and compositions of the board seem to be made up of a lot of sort of legal experts. But uh, it's important that the cricket expertise is is there, um, and that will enable the, the sport to protect the longer game, the test game, the red ball game. I'm not against one day cricket, I'm not against white ball cricket, but we need a balance. Because at the moment the white ball is dominating.
0: Uh, do you also have any thoughts on? Uh, I mean, uh, IPL is pretty famous. The Indian Premier League uh, is pretty famous. I think. Uh, I mean, it's definitely famous and it's pretty popular in India. I think it's also pretty popular in other countries as well. Uh, Cricket dominant countries, of course. Um, how? I mean, what do you make of the IPL?
1: Um... Yeah, I, I. It's a good. It's fantastic. It's. A, great product very exciting it's the best t20 league in the world isn't it um i know i very much enjoy it but uh it just needs to we need to make sure that it doesn't get so 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 big that it just takes everything over and you know uh we a lot of the county players go over to play in it and uh it's just you know i think it just needs to stay as it is and, and not become so enormous that it engulfs everything else but uh no, it's a fantastic product, hugely exciting, and uh, enjoy watching it. Uh,
0: I'm I'm not very sure about. I mean, um, I'm not uh, I'm not very knowledgeable about this, but you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but uh, why do you think there are not not more leagues? Uh, you know, IPL is pretty huge, and you know, as you said, it's pretty dominant. Um, why ha- um, are are there not? Uh, why haven't other countries also you know tried to uh, replicate this uh, IPL model or? well sure.
1: they have I mean they have I mean the t20 cup started in England in 2003 uh 18 counties and it's it's popular it's pop very it gets big crowds in England um that's why but the ECB decided they needed an 18 tournament so they've they've created the 100 which is 100 balls which is 20 balls fewer than t20 uh big bash is very popular i think possibly they made the mistake in Australia that they expanded that too much it was popular but they and they tried to um milk it too much and it got too big um but the Pakistan Super League's reasonably popular isn't it and uh yeah possibly the the the, the tournaments in New Zealand and certainly South Africa haven't taken off really but uh, Sri Lanka's got its own T20 league I think everybody's got their own T20 league now and uh, there's going to be one now in the UAE isn't it so I don't I think yeah I
0: think uh, yeah I should have probably done more research on that. Anyways, um, I think my final question for you would be: uh, How do you see uh, how, how do you see uh, the future? I mean, the next two three years, uh, not only for you but also for the Cricketer magazine as well. Uh, your thoughts on the future, uh, not only of the magazine but also of the game itself.
1: Well, thanks for asking that. Um, Cricketer magazine has celebrated its hundredth anniversary this year. We've done really well in the last few years. We've uh, increased our subscription level and uh, i think we're in a reasonable place so i can see us having some good few years ahead uh cricket i suppose yeah just just getting this balance right between the red ball and the white ball and ensuring that the white ball formats and the leagues do not become so dominant that it, they engulf the longer game because uh, i appreciate that the white ball cricket has many fans but uh, i just don't want it to smother the red ball game so I mean, obviously, COVID's been enormous, and that's been detrimental to Test cricket, probably. And you know, and uh, uh, certain players have pulled out, or not playing because of it. Or um, I'm a bit, you know, a bit worried about the the Ashes this winter. It looks like it's going to be one sided, and we need close, for, closely fought Ashes series, uh, closely fought Test series. so I mean, it was a good series in, in India and England over the over the summer, so. Um, yeah, just looking to stabilise, consolidate Test cricket, and make sure it doesn't become overwhelmed by white ball. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with that.
0: Right. Uh, on that note, uh, Hugh, thank you so much for taking the time, and uh, sorry for the disturbance, disturbances that we had. I think we had to.
1: Absolutely fine, Ryan. Yeah, no problem at all. Uh, good to good to talk to you. No problem at all. Thanks very much.